Good morning, church. Good morning, family. Welcome to everyone watching online today. It's good to be with you all on this chilly Sunday morning. We are doing things a little different today, as you are well aware. We are not gathering physically as a church this morning, but we are gathering nonetheless, wherever you are, in unity, with one spirit and with one mind, to bring honor and to bring glory to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And whatever circumstances may bring, whatever life may throw at us, we remain committed as the body of Christ to continue the works that Jesus did, and even greater works than these. And I want you to raise your expectation with me this morning as we allow God's Word to bring us to that place of effectiveness for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father God, we come to you today in the mighty name of Jesus and we thank you for the opportunity to study your life-changing word. We pray through your word today that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened so that we may know the hope of your calling on our lives and how rich are your wonderful blessings that you pour out on your children that obey you. Lord, today we commit every part of our lives to you and to your commands and ask that you would mold us and use us for your purposes and for your glory. May your name be made famous in every strata of society as we, your church, advance your kingdom mission in this world. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So church, today we are going to carry on from where we left off last time, where we began in the book of Acts as the now spiritful church start to go out and continue the work of Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. Last time we looked at how the apostles Peter and John were used by the Holy Spirit to perform the first recorded miracle in the book of Acts. And what an astounding miracle it was. A man lame from his mother's womb, who was merely looking for some cash at the beautiful gate of the temple, who had been laid there every single day, received much more than he bargained for. And in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he was healed and delivered completely from his lameness to the point where he was walking, leaping, and praising God. It was an incredible miracle. And church, it was at that point of the message last time that I asked the question, why don't we see these types of miracles in the church today? Or maybe a better question is, why don't we see it as often? If Jesus said that we would do the works that he did, and even greater works than these, does that mean that we should be seeing these types of miracles all the time by all Christians? And in attempting to answer that question, we focused our attention on a perplexing passage of Scripture in John chapter 14, which reads as follows. It says, Truly, truly, I say to you, Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. We began dissecting this text last time and, and focused on the first part of verse 12, where it says that we will do the works that Jesus did. 
Now, remember church, this is not a promise simply to the apostles. This is not just for missionaries and evangelists or elders or highly gifted Christians. This applies to everyone who truly believes in Jesus. Whoever believes in Jesus will do the works that Jesus did. Period. Now as we identified, we create a big problem for ourselves if we jump to a conclusion that when it says the works that Jesus did, we just assume it means miracles. Because when we look at the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12, it clearly shows us that the Holy Spirit distributes these gifts to each one individually as He wills. And that not everyone will have the gift of healing or the gift of miracles or the gift of prophecy or the gift of faith. There are diverse gifts. So in other words, you don't get disqualified as a Christian, as a believer, if you don't walk on water, if you don't raise the dead, if you don't feed 5,000 people. Jesus said, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do. And by implication of what 1 Corinthians 12 says, that can't mean that all believers will do all the miracles. That's an important principle for us to establish. But church, what it does mean, when we take these verses into context, remember we read verse 11 as well last time, what this means and what Jesus is saying is that I'm doing things that point you to the Father. I'm doing things that point you to my truth. I'm doing things that get you from doubt to faith. And if you're a believer, if you are a Christ follower, that's what your life will be like. Church, every Christian does that without exception. Because every true Christian points people to faith by the way that they live. Jesus lived for the glory of His Father in everything He did. We are to live for Jesus, for the glory of Jesus and the Father in everything we do. If we are a Christian, we do what Jesus did. And however many gifts the Holy Spirit wills to give us, what we do know now is that every believer does his works defined in John chapter 14, verse 12. Every Christian has a life that points to Jesus. You may not have silver and gold, but what you do have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth is enough to firstly do the works that Jesus did in pointing people to Him and to the Father, and secondly, to turn people from death to life. And that's what I want to expound on today. Before we carry on with Acts chapter 3, I want to go a bit further into the greater works. I think we have a better understanding of what it means to do the works that Jesus did. But what does it mean when Jesus says in the second part of verse 12, and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Now notice again, Jesus is talking to every Christian. Not just missionaries in raw situations. Not just super spiritual pastors or elders. Whoever believes in me, greater works than these will he do. If this isn't true of you, you're not a Christian. That's pretty sobering, right? And again, if we just assume greater works means more amazing miracles than Jesus, then there are no Christians. And they never have been at any period throughout history. Because nobody has ever done the miracles that Jesus did. 
let alone doing anything more amazing. So, I guess we have to ask the question then, what does it mean? What does this mean? Well, church, there are a couple of clues that I want you to have a look at with me. First, the phrase at the end of verse 12, which says, And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. That's the first thing. And the other clue is a passage of Scripture in John chapter 20, verses 21 to 23, which says this. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you don't forgive them, they are not forgiven. Jesus says to them, You're going to keep on extending my life. You're going to keep on extending my work of vindication into the future. I'm sending you out the way I was sent to glorify the Father. I'm doing works that point to my truth. I'm sending you out to do works that point to my truth. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit, the fullness of which would only come on the day of Pentecost. And then Jesus says something remarkable here. He says, If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Church, that's big. So, to take a step back, remember, he's saying to his disciples that they will not only continue the works that he did, but they will do greater works. Why? Because firstly, he has gone to the Father. And on his way to the Father, he's going somewhere that they cannot go. He's going to the cross to die for our sins. He's going to the grave to get victory over death. He's coming out of the grave on Easter morning and He's going to ascend to the right hand of the Father and rule there and intercede for us. And He's going to pour out the Spirit, who is not just any spirit, but He's the Spirit of the living, crucified and risen Christ, which had never happened in the history of the world. This is big. This is something greater. And here in John chapter 20, verses 21 to 23, this continuation of the works gets ramped up, where Jesus says, I'm going to breathe on you. In other words, get ready for this. Because when this comes, I will have gone to the Father, and this will be me coming to you by the Spirit. And when I come to you, I'm coming as a risen Christ, triumphant over death. I'm coming as a Christ who has finished the work of redemption and paid it all. And because of that truth and that power, you are going to forgive sinners. Not in anticipation like everybody did up until my death, but you will forgive sinners on the basis of it is finished. Jesus never did that on the earth. Jesus did forgive sins. But He forgave sins in anticipation of someday this awesome event of God Almighty incarnate is going to stretch himself out on a cross. And he's going to bear the sins of all his people of all time. And he's going to put to death the enmity and the separation between the Father and his people. And he's going to rise from the dead. 
And he's going to pour his life into all Christians. And when these Christians direct people by their lives and their words to this crucified and risen Christ, they lead people into an experience that nobody had ever had before the resurrection of Jesus, which is complete redemption from your sins and union with the crucified and risen Christ. So what's greater than Jesus' works on the earth? Never before in history had anyone been forgiven by faith in an already crucified, already risen, already reigning and already indwelling Christ. Nobody had ever been drawn into that experience because he was not yet crucified. He was not yet risen. And that's why the Holy Spirit was poured out the way that he was on the day of Pentecost. So church, all salvation up to that point had been in anticipation of that promise of a coming Redeemer. And because Jesus has gone to the Father and completed the work and sent the Holy Spirit, you will do greater works on the earth in such a way that it draws people into that saving reality. You will lead them to forgiveness on the basis of the finished work. And not because of of anything you've done. But because the Spirit in you will be the Spirit of the crucified, the risen and glorified Christ. The message you preach and speak about about will not be of a promised ransom. The message you preach will not be of an unpaid debt or an unfinished work. It will have been perfectly and completely finished. And you will be drawing people into that reality. The scripture says, every single one of you, every one of you, if you're a Christian, you do that. That's amazing. Let me say to you this morning, Christian, you are pretty amazing. The least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. You see, not even John the Baptist carried the spirit that represents the finished work of Jesus Christ. He died before the full manifestation of the gospel. And I would ask you the question this morning, Christian, do you know what you carry? Do you know what's what's inside of you? If you're a Christian, you continue the life of Jesus. You keep on with the work of Jesus, which is defined in all that he did that pointed people to him and helped them overcome their unbelief and put their faith in Christ. Whether it's by miraculous means or whether it's more normal acts of, of love and witness and care and showing the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And secondly, all of us do greater works than Jesus. Because as we point people to Jesus on this side of the crucifixion and the resurrection, we are pointing them to and drawing them into an experience by the Spirit that had never happened before. Because the Spirit that existed before was not known as the Spirit of the risen and crucified Christ. This is a remarkable reality, church, that we need to understand, each of us, and walk in. Because I think for most Christians, we don't realize the significance and power of what we carry. We have the Spirit of the risen Christ inside of us. The Spirit that can lead people to God and to salvation. 
And that doesn't mean that it's because of any divinity of our own. It's because of what Jesus has done. It's all in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You know, the followers of Christ in the early church understood what they carried. In Acts chapter 3, when Peter and John were empowered by the Holy Spirit to minister healing to the lame man at the beautiful gate, they knew that they had the Spirit of the risen Christ working inside of them. And they knew by what authority it came and why it was given. The finished work in them, whether through healing or preaching, or other gifts of the Spirit, was to turn people from spiritual death to eternal life with the Savior. Let's read a couple of verses as Peter preaches his second sermon. This directly after the layman was healed. Let's pick it up from verse 11. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. Church, why does Peter refer to God this way? Because he knows his audience. He's speaking to a Jewish audience. That's how a Jewish person refers to Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the covenant-keeping God. And not only is he glorified by God, it's his servant, Jesus. And you know why Peter does that? Because being a Jewish audience, especially with learned people like the, the scribes and the Pharisees in the audience, they knew that four times in the book of Isaiah, there was something called the servant songs. Four servant songs. In Isaiah chapter 42, chapter 49, chapter 50, and chapter 52 are all songs referring to the coming Messiah. And so this is the servant Jesus. And it says you handed him over to be killed. And you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. He's really laying it on thick here. And in verse 15 is one of the most paradoxical statements in the Bible. It says, you kill the author of life. Peter says to them, you kill the author of life. Isn't that a paradox? You kill the archagos. That's the Greek word. The archagos, which means the author or the originator of life. But God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. Then it says, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. This is a, a great verse because, remember I said, it wasn't the layman's faith that healed him. It was Peter's faith, right? But even Peter doesn't take credit for it. He doesn't say, you know what, I have become a great man of faith. It is my awesome faith that, is, that has healed this layman. He says, no. I can't even take credit for the faith. 
because the Holy Spirit gave me the gift of faith to be able to see this miracle done. So it's by the name of Jesus. It's His power. And even the faith that I exhibited was a gift that God has given me. Verse 17, Now fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what He had foretold through all the prophets, saying that His Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that He may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. That's further amplified in verse 21 where it says, Heaven must receive Him until the time comes for God to restore everything, as He promised long ago through His holy prophets. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from the people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. Now, Peter's a really good preacher, isn't he? I mean, he's quoting Deuteronomy chapter 18, the very well-known text about Moses saying, God will raise up another prophet like me. And because Moses said this in Deuteronomy chapter 18, the Jewish nation believed that their Messiah would be God's anointed. Messiah means that. But also they were looking for a prophet. So they looked for Messiah, prophet. Peter's quoting Deut Deuteronomy chapter 18, where Moses says, The Lord will raise up another prophet like me. And he's saying this is all fulfilled in Jesus Christ. When John the Baptist was baptizing by the Jordan River, they said to him, are you Elijah? Right, Because the Bible says Elijah will come before the Messiah comes. And he said, no. And then they asked him another question. They said to him, are you that prophet? Again, he says, no. That prophet is the prophet of Deuteronomy chapter 18 that Moses predicted. And again, this is all fulfilled in Jesus Christ. In other words, church, when it comes to salvation, God has nothing more to say. Jesus is the final word. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus is God's final word on salvation. And church, what is Peter doing here? He's pointing people to Jesus and helping them overcome their unbelief and put their faith in Christ. He's doing the works that Jesus did. And secondly, he is fulfilling the greater works because he's pointing people to the finished work of Jesus on this side of the crucifixion and the resurrection. And he's drawing them into an experience by the Spirit that hadn't happened before Jesus paid it all. He tells them about all the many things that Jesus had fulfilled and he calls them to repent and turn. And if they do, their sins will be forgiven. And they will receive times of refreshing by the Spirit of the risen Christ. 
And as we'll see as we continue through the book of Acts, whatever gifts the Holy Spirit gave to the early church according to His will, whether it was the gift of faith or the gift of healing or the working of miracles or tongues or prophecy, it was all done to fulfill the same mandate. It was all done to fulfill the same mandate. It was to do the works that Jesus did and even greater works. It was to point people to the one and only true Savior and then to draw them into a life-changing, a life-giving exchange by the Spirit of the risen Christ. And I would say to you this morning, church, that the mandate hasn't changed. It's still the same. That's still what Christians do today. And I know that sounds like a massive responsibility. And it is. But it's the Spirit of the risen Christ inside of you that will draw men out of darkness into His saving light. Our responsibility is to go out. We need to go out as we have been commissioned to make disciples. And the Holy Spirit will distribute His gifts to us individually so that we can fulfill the works and the greater works. Peter and John and the early church knew what they carried. And that's why they turned the world upside down. And church, as I close this morning, I want to ask you to take this week to consider the responsibility that you and I have been given, that every Christian has been given. And I want you to consider what you carry. Because, you know, if we wander around not knowing that we have the Spirit of the risen Christ inside of us, we may never reach out and share the gospel the way that we should. We may never pray for the sick. We, we may walk around in defeat and never walk in the authority that we have been given. We may never fulfill our calling. And so take this week and, and ask the Lord to reveal to you what it is that He has done inside of you. And what a miracle that, that you carry. You carry the finished work of the crucified and risen Christ inside of you. And I would say to you again, Christian, you are amazing. Because Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, Christian, if you believe in me, if you are a Christ follower, you will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will you do because I have already gone to the Father. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. A difficult word because of what it implies the Christian life should be. We ask today that by your Spirit you would open up our understanding and allow us to walk in the fullness of what it means to be a Christian that fulfills the works and even the greater works. Would you move in power into our lives today and would you take all of us who are weak and struggling Christians and remind us that this is not a maybe. This is a promise. And the promise is because you are the crucified, the risen, the reigning and present Christ in our lives. And we pray today that you will give us everything that we need to display and represent you in this world. We pray this in your glorious name. Amen. Well, amen, Frontline family. 
Thank you for joining us online today. Have a blessed Sunday further. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May He lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace.